0: Good morning, Heartland, and happy Sunday. How is everyone? Good, I love to hear your voices, that's so great. That means we're gonna hear your voices when we're worshiping as well, amen. If you're able, stand to your feet. We're just gonna sing these songs unto our God. If you're watching online as well, welcome. We're so happy to have you at any point in the service. If you need prayer or if you're new, there's buttons that you can click and you'll be connected to someone on our team. Let's worship together.
1: today for who he is, for who he is and what he has done, what he is doing and what he will do. You are worthy, O oh God, to receive all praise, all glory, all honor, power and might is yours. You are worthy, O oh God. You are worthy, O oh God. We exalt you, O oh God. We lift you up, O oh Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The psalmist says, I will extol you, my God and King and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to the next generation and shall declare your mighty acts on the glory glorious splendor of your majesty and under and on your wondrous works i will meditate hallelujah hallelujah father right now we pause god we pause right now Just to reflect to remember on all you have done. God, that you love this world so much that you were willing to give us Jesus Christ. Not born in a palace and to live as a a mighty king, but born in a stable. And one day to walk a dusty road carrying carrying our cross. Jesus, you laid down your life that we might stand here today knowing of the wondrous works that you have done, of your love, your mercy, your grace. God, the hope that we have for now and for the future. Because God, you hold us. You hold us in your love and care. Father, you know each of us here today. You know the burdens. You know, God, the needs that we have and we represent. And God, right now in an atmosphere of praise, we lift these needs to you. And ask, God, that you would work miracles and wonders again. That, God, you would bring comfort to those that need comfort. Peace. Peace to those that need peace. Healing power would flow. God, that you would restore and heal relationships. God, that you would accomplish your will and receive all the praise and all the glory. Church, I'm going to ask you to, I'm going to ask you to repeat the Lord's prayer with me. We don't do it a lot, but let's pray it together and mean it with our hearts. Our Father, which art in heaven, And ever. Amen. 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 God is good. God is good. Church, wherever you are, that, there was a, a phrase that said, upon your wondrous works, I will meditate. Let me leave this with you. If you're going through difficulties and challenges in life, take time to focus on who God is and what he's already done for you focus on Him. We can get so distracted by what's happening in our life and circumstances that we need to spend that time and just focus on Him and who He is. And that He's got us. Amen? Amen? Amen. 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 Turn around. And tell someone. He's got us. Would you do that? Tell someone. He's got us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Precious Lord. Amen. He's got us. Amen. I didn't see any of you guys moved and say that, but he's got us. Yeah. Amen. Got a few announcements just want to bring to your attention. If you're visiting with us, we're just really glad you're here. And uh, if you haven't uh, filled out a communication card, in one of the seats near you, in the front of you, uh, you'll find a communication card. If you take a few minutes and just fill that out and go to our um, uh, customer (laughs) or customer. Oh, yeah. That got more laughs than my paw jokes, okay? Yeah, when I make a mistake, yeah. Our guest service desk, uh, we've got a uh, Tim's card for you, but we're just really glad you're here, and we want to uh, just pray that you feel God's love and God's presence. On Saturday, February 24th, our Heartland Young Adults and Youth will be taking, uh, taking part in the coldest night of the year. This is a charity walk, and they will be raising money uh, to help charities that help people experiencing hurt, hunger, and homelessness. Uh, this year, Heartland Youth and Young Adults will be walking for in, in support of the dam. Uh, This is a youth community program that provides a safe, warm environment for youth between 13 and 19. Uh, If you would like to join the team on this walk or help donate to our team uh, this year, please see Pastor Mark. If you would do that, that would be great. Pastor Mark, just a wave. I'm going to invite Wendy to come up. She has an announcement. And again, not a lot of announcements today, but if you are not getting our weekly email uh, that says, goes out, has our updates and announcements, uh, please sign up. You can do that at connect at a churchconnected.ca. Good morning, Heartland. How are you
2: doing this morning? Good. Oh, wow. Hi. <sighs> How are we doing this morning, Heartland? If God is for us, who can be against us? God is good. So I have two updates for you. I'm Wendy Beckles, and I serve here at Heartland, the Church Connected, as the lead deacon and the chair of the board. And I've been updating you from week to week. And you've been praying, right? Two of you, you've been praying amen amen okay because god has heartland in his hand right all right so i have two announcements as i said the first one i'm going to share with you leanne who is in charge of our first impressions and community um, ministry here at heartland do you know leanne wonderful lady you should get to know her because she needs more volunteers for all of the wonderful work that she is coordinating for us here at Heartland and in the community that we want to reach because we are a church connected, not just to ourselves and with each other, but to God and to the community and the world that we serve. Okay, Leanne, this notice is for you. Are we going to have the slide up? It's coming. It's taking the scenic route. There we go. All right. So, We want you to join us for a farewell service for Pastor Fraz, Catherine, and the family on Sunday, March the 3rd at 10 a.m. Okay? We want you to join us as we show our love and appreciation to Pastor Fraz and Catherine and Evelyn and Judah and Faith. appreciation to the entire family for all their hard work and dedication to Heartland. This will be a family service, so preschool class will still run as normal, but it's a family service because we are honouring a family. There will be a memory album starting this Sunday, right Leanne, yep, got the nod, got the finger pointing out front. Um, Starting this Sunday, that album will be in the foyer, okay, and please sign it with your notes of appreciation and love or bring a prepared note or photos to add to the album. We're putting together a really nice gift for the pastor and his family. If you are unable to make it in person, go ahead and email your best wishes to connect at a churchconnected.ca. Thank you for participating and making this a special memory for Pastor Fraz, Catherine, and the family. Also, dessert and cake fellowship will be in the gym following the service. So please bring a dessert to share. Did we get that? Please bring a dessert to share. There will also be a photo booth where you can capture another memory with Pastor Fraz, Catherine, and the families on your phone. That's a lot, but I'm sure that notice will be posted in the newsletter. There we go. Yeah, I'm getting the shake. So the newsletter that goes up on our website, all right? It's mailed out Fridays, okay, so that's a lot for you, but please, we want you to participate in that. The other announcement I have for you, because I know you've been praying, and I'm really happy to say that next Sunday, we will be in a position to introduce you to our transition pastor. So God's been faithful, he's heard our prayers, and as I said, bringing the right pastor to Heartland is what we are counting on God to do. And we thank him because he has answered those prayers. So stay tuned. Next Sunday, Pastor Joel will be here. Pastor Joel, Western Ontario District um, Regional Director who takes care of the churches in this area and Heartland is one of the churches in his portfolio. He will be here to introduce our new transition pastor. Okay? You're quiet, but it's okay. God got us. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank you. I'm going to invite the ushers to come down. We're going to prepare to take up the offering. I'm pretty sure butter tarts are Pastor Fraz's favorite. With raisins? I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Catherine's saying no, but I think butter tarts would really be a good idea. We want to thank you for your faithfulness in giving. And uh, there are many ways that you can give here at Heartland, and we appreciate your giving in that, whether it's online, here in the offering, or afterwards at guest services. And uh, God is good. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your love. We thank you, God, for your many blessings upon our lives. And I pray, God, that you would now take this offering, use it for your glory as we, in response to your obedience, and obedience to you, give back our tithes and offerings that, God, you would bless both the gift and the giver. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: Your word today, bless your people, bless our gathering and our time together in Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Before I forget, children, you are dismissed. I'm just so ready to preach. I, you know, I forget about those little wee ones. Go on upstairs, kiddos. Uh, I do want to make a little addition. So, if anyone's going to bring anything like butter tart related, no raisins, please, please, no raisins, no raisins. Anyway, no, no. If you bring it, whether I like raisins or not, I will eat it. Anyway, love you guys very much today. uh, So next week, Pastor Joel is coming. So this is my my penultimate message at Heartland, second to last. And uh, and we're just going to be continuing our series called Believing for More in 2024. And if you kind of tracked with us at the beginning of this series, you would know that we talked about sharing some vision about the church and about what God had in store. And then we kind of shifted gears talking about, well, not only does God have something in store for Heartland, but he has something in store for you personally. And we talked about there's more in store and there's an open door. And Pastor Kevin even found a rhyming word. There's more, quote unquote, in store when it comes to unity and things of that nature. And today, we're continuing this theme, and here's the, the title of our message for today. There's more in store, but it'll cost you more than you bargained for. There's more in store. I know, you're like, it's still, it's, it's gonna rhyme till the very end. There's more in store, but it'll cost you more than you bargained for. I've heard it said that successful people are able to turn obstacles into opportunities. What a gift! Would you? Would you? Wouldn't you love to be able to do that—to take every obstacle you've ever experienced in life and be able to turn it into an opportunity? And I remember hearing quotes and quotes like it, usually from you know, uh, you know, Fortune 500 CEOs and leaders. You know, you have to turn obstacles into opportunities, and, and certainly there's a lot of great wisdom in that. But as I thought about quotes like that, I began to realize that there was a picture being painted that wasn't quite accurate. It It unintentionally painted the picture that obstacles and opportunities never overlap, that obstacles and opportunities are diametrically opposed, that there's no overlap, there's no crossover, when in my life, oftentimes, the opportunities I've experienced were chock full of obstacles. For those of you who know my story, I was born and raised in a Muslim home, And when I went to Bible college, it was an incredible opportunity that I do not regret. It was an incredible opportunity. However, it was an opportunity that was filled with obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. There was God-given opportunity. There was an open door, but that open door cost me just a little bit more than I bargained for. And I went, and I'm glad I did. A little bit later on, in, I guess it was our, our fourth year of graduation year, my wife and I were engaged, well, girlfriend then, we, I proposed, she said yes, I don't know why, but I'm glad she did. She said yes, and, and that year I, I was diagnosed with cancer, and we just kind of made the decision that we would get married anyway, and yet we didn't have a job, we didn't have any interviews lined up, we didn't, I didn't have a part-time job, you had no job. And, and, and it just seemed like all the adults in our lives were telling us, you have no job. It was like a reoccurring theme. You have no job. How do you get married when you don't got a job, right? It's, uh, some of your young ones are dating somebody and they don't got no job. And you're like, well, you got to get a job. And, and we just, we, we, we knew we needed to get a job, wherever it was. But we decided to get married anyway because we had this intrinsic belief That while we didn't know how to put into words, we just believed it. And I don't think I'm the only one who's ever believed this. That there are some things in life, and they're really worth suffering for. They're worth fighting for. They're worth moving forward, even if you don't know how it's going to work out. That you got to go, even when the going is tough. So tough that it costs you more than you bargained for. Now, we're not the only ones who've ever felt this way or believed this. Over the course of the years we've been here, we've heard of some of your stories of how you came to Canada believing for more, and yet it cost you more than you bargained for. You came here for a better life, and you were so excited, and then it started to snow. And then you thought, what? Anyone feel that way? Oh, several. Yes, you got to embrace it, brother. It's not bad. You can put it into a little ball. You can throw it, not at your wife, but at other people. And it's a lot of you know, snow angels and all the rest of it. It's a great reminder, of Isaiah 1:18, though your sins are like scarlet, he shall make them as white as snow. But all kidding aside, you came here thinking and hoping for a better life, and yet there was so much more sacrifice, so much more pain than you bargained for. Some of you walked away from a very unhealthy relationship context, whether it was a community or a friendship or a relationship or maybe even family and you knew that removing yourself from that relational context was healthy but it cost you a lot more than you bargained for you believed for more you came here believing for more you walked forward believing for more you just didn't think it cost you more than you bargained for if you've ever ever felt that way you are actually in good biblical company. There are people in the scriptures who believe for more, and yet it costs them more than they thought possible. I mean, many of us have heard the story of King David. Yes, he was anointed to be king, but before he ever made it to the throne, he was in a field, and he went through a journey filled with pain and sacrifice before he ever sat on that throne. He believed the prophet Samuel. He believed for more And while we don't know his mindset, I suspect it cost him more than he bargained for. Even Joseph became second in command of Egypt and really, by extension, the known world. But before he walked in the promise, he found himself in a pit and a prison for what probably would have felt like a lifetime. They believed that there was more in store And yet there was a price that they hadn't bargained for. In your life, even in this church, there's more in store, but it might cost you more than you bargained for. There is such a thing as sacrifice for being in the will and the favor and the plans of God. And so today we're going to read three scriptures. And these three scriptures, when read in succession, almost sound like a paradox because you can come away with the impression that they're saying something opposite, but it's the paradox because they're not contradicting one another, they complement one another. And the reason why it might sound like a paradox to some, and we're going to revisit this thought a few times, God rewards faith in a way He will never reward hard work. For some of you who have Pharisee-type tendencies, you might struggle with that. We'll pray for you. God rewards faith in a way He doesn't reward hard work. I'm not begrudging hard work, but be careful about diminishing the power of faith through grace alone. Here's, what, here's the first of our three scriptures. Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 25. Now great crowds accompanied him, Jesus, and he turned to them and said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate, strong word, hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters. He left out in-laws for some reason, but we'll move on. <laughs> if you're watching, mom, in-law, love you. I kid And brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now notice the word accompanied. There were people who were following Jesus, and then there were those who were just accompanying the crowd. They hadn't really bought in to the point of personal sacrifice. And maybe you're here or you're watching online, and it begs the question, have you followed to the point of sacrifice, or are you just accompanying the crowd? Maybe that crowd your mom or dad, a relative, a friend. Are you here because you're, you're ready to, to, to pay the price for being a disciple, or are you just accompanying a crowd? And Jesus saw this, and so he said, and we'll talk about what he means by hate in just a few moments, but he goes on to say, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Yes, there's more in store. But it will cost you more than you bargained for. But there's a blessing in discipleship. There's a blessing in faithfully following Him that is greater than any amount of hard work you could do in this life. It's better to follow Him in faith than it is to think that the works of your hands amount to something that God should reward. He goes on to say, For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Because there is a cost to discipleship. There is a cost to following Jesus. We'll talk about what that cost is in just a moment. There is a cost. And the cost is not meant to be some great secret. It's actually quite logical. Hence this logical analogy of, well, if someone's going to build, doesn't he first sit down and figure out whether or not he can count the cost of building. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet, to be victorious, who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, He sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. There's a cost that should be weighed in your heart, soul, and mind. So therefore, any of you who does not renounce, renounce. I don't know how much renouncing happens in the North American church today. Renounce. All that he has cannot be my disciple. So Is he asking me to to hate everybody? Is he asking me to give up every single thing I ever own? Well, not quite, and we'll get to it in just a moment. Because remember, it's not about what you can do. It's about faith. Hebrews tells us, here's the second one, that without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who work for him, those who earn his approval, those who can do this or that. No, those who simply seek him in faith. So what does that mean? Do I just simply do nothing? Well, no. Paul said in First Timothy, fight. Fight. The good fight of faith. Do you think faith is, is a worthwhile fight in your life? I know we fight for a lot of things. Fight for that paycheck, fight for that overtime, fight for that vacation, fight for that inheritance, fight for that whatever. But is faith a worthwhile fight, deserving of your focus, your attention, your time, your talent, your treasure? Take hold. It's not that you're earning it, it's already there. So just take hold of it, of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of of many witnesses take hold of it fight because there's more in store for you in 2024 but there's a catch it's not what you think but there's a catch there is more in store but it'll cost you more than you bargained for you have to believe that faith makes a difference You can't stop believing that faith can't make a difference in your home, in your life, in the lives of your children, in your marriage, in your loved ones. Faith makes a difference. You have to believe that as you seek Christ through faith, it makes a difference, that there really can be more in store. But what if his plans don't include my plans. Hmm. You can't confuse what you bargain for, or what I bargain for, for what I think God should have in store for my life. I uh, have been blessed and am blessed with a, a great, great relationship with my dad. <clears throat> I, I wouldn't call him my best friend because he's my dad but he's pretty close like he's my dad he's my mentor i I talk to him about just about everything really and and inevitably inevitably you know he time travels back to some story back like 20 30 40 years ago and and one of the stories that often comes up is when he came to canada with my mom and i was there and my brother was on the way it was in the early 80s and if you were here around that time you would know there was a really big recession in the early 80s, and it was a very trying time for Canadians and many in North America during those early 80s. And my dad is a machinist welder by trade. He's really, really quite skilled, and he came thinking he'd get a job. He came thinking that this, you know, job was available and that he'd make money and that it would be just normal. And yet, when he came, that job wasn't there, and so he ended up washing dishes for five or maybe even less or four dollars an hour and I don't even know what minimum wage was back then, but he was an immigrant, and there was a need. And in his particular context, there was several mouths to feed in this little apartment where we had all squeezed in, and that's what he did. And it was a, it was a hard story to hear as he described just the reality of what that looked like every day, every week, for months on end. And what really perplexed me was his ability to keep moving forward. I mean, he just believed that there would be more in store, that this dishwashing job was not the end, that this was the job that he needed, but only because it would one day get him to the job that he wanted. But as I was reflecting on that, I asked myself, what on earth? Like, how, how was he able to do that? I mean, could you you work at a job that was beneath your skills and beneath your ability and beneath your, at least from that perspective that he had, could you have done it? What did he have that enabled him to keep moving forward even though it cost him more than he bargained for? And, and, And the answer was and is surprisingly simple. He was flexible. Flexible. It wasn't the job that he wanted, but it was the job that he needed to get to to the job that he wanted. He was flexible. Flexibility is one of the most underrated character quality attributes of your life. Flexibility is living with the acknowledgement that my plans might not line up with God's plans and one of us has to change. Who do you think it's going to be? This is one of the most important questions you'll be asked in 2024. It might even be one of the most important questions you've been asked this past decade. Are you flexible? Oh, you might not get everything you want. Mom's trying to tell you something. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Are you flexible? Like an icicle, if you're not flexible, it will leave you inevitably fragile and breakable. Are you flexible? Because your plans might not be his plans. Oh, there's more in store in 2024. But it might cost you more than you bargained for. Jesus made this interesting statement that is very easy to take out of context, especially when you just kind of highlight one verse and kind of fixate on it. If anyone comes to me and does not hate, hate his own family, hate even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And when you read this in a broader historical context, you begin to realize that this isn't actually about hate. In fact, the word hate reminds me of the word love, which is, in in a sense, part of what this is about. In that culture, the word hate was a a Jewish expression to help people understand things that you should love less and love more. Things you should prioritize less and prioritize more. And so it's not as if Jesus was saying you should abandon your responsibilities, but there's a higher calling to your life. There are higher priorities than what culture deems are appropriate priorities. It's not about... Hating, but about loving more what God has in store. But that leads to a very uncomfortable question Would you follow him if he didn't love as much what you loved? Would you follow him if he didn't love your career as much as you love your career? Would you follow him if he didn't love your financial security? As much as you love your financial security? Would you follow him if he didn't appreciate your good looks and your good looking folks as much as he did? Would you follow him if the plans of your mind were in contradiction to the plans of his hand for your life? There is more in store, but there's sacrifice. It might cost you more than you bargained for. And please don't misunderstand me. I am not saying that God is some dictator who just loves to see you suffer as you just kinda throw away things you love. No, there's a very practical, practical reason why there's a cost to following Christ. There's spiritual reasons and whatnot, and those are worth talking about at a separate time, but there's actually practical reasons, and it can best be summed up with this statement removing and receiving go hand in hand because you only got two hands. You, you only got two hands. So as this is my penultimate message and the kids are all upstairs, I told I told one of them that today's the very last day. You're going to hear a story about one of the kids and they're like, no. And I'm like, well, go on upstairs. <laughs> we have four kids and uh, Uh, Evelyn, Judah, Faith, Hope, and they're 11, 9, 7, and 5. And our third, our, our seven year old, Faith, they're all special in their own way. And Faith is special in her own way, in that, and my wife says this often, she is somebody who feels deeply. Every emotion is over the top. When she's happy, it's over the top. When she's confused, it's over the top. When she's angry, <clears throat> it is over the top. And, and when she's not impressed with you, it is over the top. There's a little bit of attitude there that we've, we have not been able to weed out, and we've just kind of said, Lord, help us. She's a wonderful, wonderful baby girl, and, uh, but she feels deeply. And so we were, I don't know where we were going, probably either the in-laws or our parents or somewhere and uh, and she was in her bedroom, crying, like like sobbing, like someone had like passed away, like just like what in the world's going on, like everybody's like already in the van and you're up here crying, like why? Your socks aren't on, your shoes aren't on, your stuff's not packed. What's going on? And what? Long story short. She wanted to bring some extra things with her. She had her bag that was full. She wanted to bring stuffies. She wanted to bring a special toy. They're at that age where they're doing a craft, but, like, you know, in their mindset, it's not just a craft. Like, it is like Leonardo da Vinci's Mona Lisa, right? It is like tr- art, it's treasure. And, 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 you know, she had made it for grandma, and grandpa, and I gotta bring it. And I'm like, okay, but, but she was crying because she couldn't fit it all in. And she didn't have any more room in her hands, and she realized that she was going to have to leave something she loved behind. Now, in that moment, there was a sermon-ish type statement I thought about, but I didn't share, because she feels deeply, but I'll, I'll share it with you. If you try to hold on to everything, you could be left With nothing. God has more in store than you could possibly ask, think, or imagine. But you only have two hands. And what good would it be to sacrifice all that He has planned because you didn't open up your two hands? There was a a Bible verse I remember hearing for the very first time about four or five months after I got saved. I was busy reading the Gospel of John and the Book of Job as those things related more to my life. And, and I would come to services every Sunday and, and I remember the pastor just kind of sharing, you know, it, the, the verses found in, in the Gospel of Matthew and Mark. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? And even though I hadn't read it, I, I just, I intrinsically knew what it meant that there's something more that God has in store for me. And if I don't grab a hold of it by faith, it can cost me dearly. But what is that cost? Like, what, what exactly am I supposed to lay aside and how am I supposed to do it? Because when you read this verse, it, it'd be easy to come away with a, with a, well, possibly a skewed understanding. Jesus said, if anyone, if anyone of you just the next slide. If any one of you who does not renounce all that he has, everything, cannot be my disciple. Is he saying get rid of everything? I remember verses like this evoking questions like, what do you need to sacrifice? I remember coming home from youth and young adult conferences and my friends saying, I'm going to burn my Nirvana CDs. And I'm like, bro, you spent like 20 bucks, and that was a lot back then on those CDs. I'm going to burn my collection of movies. I'm, I'm throwing them all away. I thought, what? No. I'm, I'm getting rid of my, my what are those, those records? It was like, you know, I'm getting rid of my Tupac record, but he's dead, allegedly. Like, that's going to be worth so much. You can't do that. I'll take it. He didn't give it to me. And I remember going home thinking, well, do I have to kind of just give things up now, just just throw them out and and whatnot? And, and, And I'm not saying that's not a worthwhile way of thinking. I understand the value of the question, what do I need to sacrifice? What do I need to give up? What do I need to throw away? But for me, it just didn't resonate with me because I felt it overemphasized one part of the equation and underemphasize the other. And so I actually thought of it in different terms, and I'll share it with you. Where do you need to make room to receive? Because if he has more in store, yes, it might cost you more than you bargained for, but it'll bless you more than you bargained for. There's more in store that you cannot possibly comprehend for your life, your marriage, your family, this church, But where do you need to make room? Is it your financial priorities? Your hobbies? Maybe it's just the way that you think. Your thought process does not honor or prioritize faith. And it's bringing you down a very dark road. Where do you need to make room to receive what God has in store for you? Not to earn it or to work for it, but by faith to receive it. And as you make room, there's something that you and I can't afford to forget that honestly most people do. It's not work, it's a little bit of faith that goes a long way. There's a parable in in Matthew chapter 16. And to this day, I believe it, but I'm not sure I like it. Is that allowed? I don't. I don't know. Some of you have been going to church longer than I've been alive. Is that allowed? Can I believe something, but not like like it? Yeah. It's it's Matthew chapter twenty. It's it's the parable of the laborers in the vineyard. And just just to give you a brief synopsis, so there is these workers, and they all start at different times. One starts early in the day. One starts later in the day. One starts. Uh, at the, basically at the end of the shift. And despite the fact that they all start at different times, they all get paid the same. HR would have a nightmare. They'd be like, what? You can't do that. They all start at different times, but they've done literally different amounts of work. There are people who have done exponentially more who started earlier versus those who started later. And yet they all get paid the same. And I believe it. I have to. It's in the Bible. I, I, I legitimately and literally believe it, but I struggle with it. I struggle with it because it, it forces me to come face to face with a statement in my own heart that, that, that reveals something. A little bit of faith goes further than I think it could and further than I think it should. See, I was fooling myself. All that hard work, all that personal effort was just pride in disguise. It's those who choose simple faith in Christ, not in themselves, who'll be first in his kingdom. And and there will be those, and maybe you're here, maybe you're watching online, and and, and you're you're agreeing with your lips, but you're struggling in your mind, and you're struggling with your life. Because you've worked hard for what you have, and you think other people should have to work hard too. And, and you're going to struggle because our God rewards faith in a way He does not reward hard work. And, and if, if you struggle with that like I did, and perhaps even do at times, you're more of a Pharisee than you think. Our God doesn't reward effort or works. I mean, we read it, without faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. It's not that it's improbable or unlikely. It's impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must what? Work hard? Do hard things? No, must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. The reward is not in response to the work. The reward is in response to faith. You have to believe when you look at that circumstance that you can't control, when you look at that relationship that's falling apart, when you look at that situation that consumes your mind, that faith in Christ can make a difference. And if it's faith that makes a difference, what am I supposed to do? If he simply rewards faith, What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to live? If he simply rewards faith, what am I supposed to believe? If he simply rewards faith, how am I supposed to live? This is where Paul's words come in. 1 Timothy. This is what you do. You fight. You fight the good fight of faith. By faith you take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. You fight believing that God is going to supply, provide, protect, and deliver. You fight believing that the best is still yet to come. You fight believing that there is an open door that no one can close because God himself has opened it. You fight believing He can do exceedingly, abundantly more than you thought possible. But it it makes me wonder, do you still have the fight in your faith? Maybe you pray. Maybe you attend church. You accompany the crowds. But do you still got the fight in your faith? If I could kind of put the Christians in North America into one box, sweeping generalization because those are accurate, right? But just for the purposes of this message, are we a people that got fight in their faith? I don't know what you're facing tomorrow morning, but you got fight in your faith. I don't know what context you're living in, but you got fight in your faith. I don't know what's happening in your body, in your heart, soul, or mind, but you got fight in your faith. I don't know what painful context you've walked away from, and I don't know what God has in store, even though I know it's good, but you got fight in your faith. There's far too many Christians who've lost the fight in their faith. They've stopped believing that by simple faith I can experience so much more than I thought possible. And you're not working for it. You cannot fight to open the door. He has opened the door. You're just fighting to stay the course. You're fighting off the distractions. You're fighting those thoughts which you are taking captive and bringing submission to Jesus Christ. You gotta fight. I know you got, I know you like Jesus, many of you. You like church. I don't know what it was like, but it it probably would have been fun to accompany the crowds that were following Jesus. Do you got to fight? There's more in store, and it will be harder than you bargained for. And before you need something, before you need some financial provision, which I do pray for, you need fight in your faith. I want to leave you with this prayer today. Jesus, give me the fight I need to walk in your plans for me I know you look at that bank account statement and you think oh God I need money and maybe you do you look at that relationship that's coming apart God we need a miracle and and maybe you do but what good are all those things if you've lost the fight in your faith how do you fight three things you fight for your faith you fight in your faith and you fight with faith we fight for all the wrong things don't we we prioritize those things that may not be necessarily wrong but they don't lead to the lord's blessing fight for things that bless you in your faith and it's not in your strength we fight in faith we fight believing that it is his power at work in me and we fight with the faith that god has already won the battle that on the cross It was finished. That today, right now in Christ, you're not going to be a conqueror. You are a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. You are victorious. Not in anything you've done, but because you've put your faith in the one who conquered sin, death, and the grave. And so I don't know what you got to face in 2024, but there is more in store. And yeah, it might cost you more than you bargained for, but it'll bless you more. And you bargained for because it's not about what you can do but what he's done so church let's stand together today and i know in a crowd this size and online there's a battle there's a battle in your home there's a battle in your relationships there's a battle that you can't control the battle belongs to the lord he has already won and if he's already victorious you know what that means He hasn't brought you this far just to leave you now. There's more in store in 2024. So church, let's worship. Let's pray. Let's declare that he has won. And I stand in his victory. In Jesus' name, amen? Hallelujah. Let's worship, church. chapter 5 starting in verse 4 for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world reminds me of what Jesus said in the gospel of John in this world you will have trials and tribulation but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world born of God, born again, faith in Jesus Christ. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. So if you're wondering what it is, he's about to tell you right now. For everyone born of God overcomes the world, And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. So who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? You may not be the most skilled. I know I'm not. You may not have all the resources in the world. I know I don't. But a little bit of faith a long way I don't know what you're facing tomorrow morning but a little bit of faith goes a long way I don't know what's happening in your body but a little bit of faith goes a long way oh I know that relationship might not be perfect but look a little bit of faith goes a long way yeah there's things you probably gotta do that are filled with wisdom and and guidance but don't ever forget a little bit of faith goes a long way Father we we come to you God for those who are lacking it we pray that you would give them a little bit of faith we pray God that you would increase their faith that they might believe there is more in store that you are still working and speaking and moving and can do exceedingly abundantly more than we ever thought possible so God increase our faith not that things might go our way but increase our faith that we might see your glory manifest in our lives. We ask this. We believe this. We expect it in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. A little bit of what? A little bit of what? That's all you need. Amen? Amen. You're going to make it. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week and, uh, and the week after that. <laughs> Blessings.